the, the giants out there have the one way of doing it and the big players in the industry are going to are going to follow that we need to differentiate ourselves not only with our product but also with our program and that was the path that we kind of went down Welcome to the Software Channel Partner Podcast, where you'll hear leaders of partner programs talk about their greatest challenges and most successful solutions. And now your host, Louis Gadima, the President of Revenue and Associates. Welcome to the Software Channel Partner Podcast, where we talk with leaders in software partner programs to learn about what's working today. I'm Louis Gadima, the President of Revenue and Associates, where we help companies grow faster by helping their channel partners grow faster. Today I'm talking with Scott Mann, director of the North American Channel at Scale Computing. Scott's been named a 2019 50 Most Influential Channel Chief by CRN. Scott's based in Toronto, and before his current position, Scott was the country manager for Canada for Scale Computing. Before Scale, Scott held several positions at WinMagic, an encryption and data security tool company, Scott, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Louis. Pleasure to be here. So have you come down yet from the high of the Raptors winning the NBA championship? <laughs> I, I can safely say I, I still wear my Raptors jersey on about a daily basis at this point, but soon it, soon that, that, will, that will die down once uh, everything settles with free agency. Yeah, when all the business stuff comes into play, that can change things. But I know, you know, I'm in Boston and, and we had that wonderful... World Series championship in 2004 after 86 years. And it can really uh, put a smile on a lot of people in a city when a moment like that happens. Sure can. A lot of people in a country at this point. It's it's a team for the country. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I, I was noticing they had those North jerseys, which were terrific. Yes. Yes. Very, a very neat spin on it. So please tell me about your career path and what brought you to where you are today at Scale Computing. As, as I imagine most people in this industry, it's not necessarily where you think uh, this is exactly where you're going to land when you're when you're going through your, your college and your schooling career. I, I started out in the accounting world, though. I was I was I got my degree in accounting, and I I, I, fixed, I pictured that being the the route I was going to take. Uh, I've been working at uh, in software encryption, so software security, sales for the entire four years of my undergrad and. I kind of landed uh, a, a position that I, I couldn't pass up, and it was in the sales world at that point. And I, I, I thought this was something that I wanted to give it a go, give it a run. And and everybody always told me I was I was a much better fit in the sales world. So hey, figured why not why not give it a try? And um, when I when I initially was at Win Magic, it was uh, what you what you typically see from a uh, a sales organization of that size, targeting more on the enterprise side. But I, I ended up uh, moving my way up the ranks and took over a patch that was pretty large and it was not necessarily a hundred percent channel organization at that time. So I knew if I, if I wanted to be successful at, at all and, and be able to manage everything that we had coming in and the workload uh, that all entailed, I needed to build up my sales force without doubling, tripling my headcount on the team. So uh, I did just that through the channel and, and that was kind of the first road into the channel. So I, I, I built the channel for a, a large region within Canada and part of the US as well. And that's kind of what got me as a, a foot into the door here. Uh, through Connections, it was looking for someone to, to uh, join the team in Canada at the time. 
And uh, we were in the, a very similar position uh, with scale computing. Uh, in Canada, we didn't quite have a full channel uh, built out yet because it was still very early stages in the, the, the technology landscape. Uh, so there wasn't quite the full market there yet. Partners hadn't fully heard of us at this point. And we, I came in and it was 100% channel focused, but uh, we just didn't have that partner landscape. So it was really, we wanted to be successful. We knew we, I knew we had to build out that, build out that channel. And that's what I did in Canada um, when I was a country manager is took the territory to being the top territory in scale at, at the time. And that was all through building out a, a, a channel and, and building my brand within that channel. And then uh, leading me to this point was uh, we already had our partner, our programs and everything. But uh, that brand that I created in Canada was and, and the um, I guess using Canada as the ideal profile of what we wanted to create in the, in the rest of North America, uh, we use that as a base point to say, hey, let's do this exact same thing. Let's do it uh, across all of North America. And it's been a wild experience to this point, but we've definitely improved leaps and bounds over the last few years that I've been in this position. And, you know, that really all stems back from, uh, it, it's, it's a top bottom. It's, it's a, a belief from your executives in in the channel and in the ability for us to be able to do this everything through the channel and be able to build this all out. And if you don't have their buy-in, uh, you know it's not going to be successful at all. So my my success and and our our success in the channel has all come from the very top, from the founders downwards. And same thing with the culture and everything that we've created in the channel. But you're not a 100% channel company, are you? You you have direct sales also? No, we're 100% channel. Oh, you are. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. I did not understand that. So tell me, uh, you know, and the listeners about what scale does. So scale is, uh, I guess it's not your, uh, your, your quintessential uh, software company. Uh, we are definitely a software company under the hood of it all, but we're, we're an appliance model. So um, it's a hyper-converged market, which I'm sure many listeners, if, if they're not fully familiar with it, they've heard the term at this point. It's a very popular buzz term in the, in the technology world. So we designed a platform and we created a, a solution about 10 years ago uh, that was laser focused on uh, revolutionizing the, the virtual infrastructure world and really focusing on the small to medium sized businesses, which we felt that there wasn't a solution that was necessarily catered towards those size. It's typically in the in the SMB space, you get kind of the leftovers or the a light version of, of the enterprise, which still has all the licensing fees associated with it. So we want to disrupt that. We created a solution that includes the, the hardware platform. So the server, the storage, as well as the software, the, the virtualization and using our software, it ties it all together into an appliance that is the perfect fit for any small to medium size to the, to the mid-market space. We've also kind of grew into distributed enterprises and, and that eventually came into the MSP space as well because an MSP essentially is a distributed enterprise, but the organizations that they're supporting aren't all under one umbrella. So for someone who's not familiar with it, I was someone listening to someone recently who was saying, you know, if you can describe it to a 10-year-old, you can explain anything. But if someone's not familiar with that whole arena, how would you describe what scale computing is and, and what your device is doing and, and who uh, would use it? What would be what would be the use case? It would be, of course, the uh, the IT department at any organization, typically an IT department that is 
just IT generalists, their smaller IT departments was, was what the initial target was towards. Um, because they're jack of all trades and they're managing a ton of different platforms. They're managing the networking, the, the security side of things, the, the infrastructure, sometimes the help desk, and they're constantly do a lot of different juggling. What we're doing is we're condensing a bunch of those different functionalities, that the, those different practices that they have to manage into one single platform. So being the, the server infrastructure, the the storage, the virtualization, putting that all into one, and including some backup and disaster recovery capabilities as well. So uh, it, simplifying their life. At the end of the day, it's like the my, my analogy that uh, I don't know how well this will resonate, but uh, you think of an infrastructure in a building, you walk into a room, you want to flick the light switch on and the lights come on. You don't want to have to go down to down to the breaker and, and play around with a bunch of the breaker switches. Uh, same thing with the infrastructure. You want to be able to walk into your office on Monday morning and pull up your laptop, open up whatever application, whether it's email or uh, your ERP system, and be able to access that, not have to go to IT and say, hey, what's what's wrong? Something's down with the server. That's the, the solution that we built is so that you can automate that process. It's self-healing, and you can remove the reactive methodology around managing an infrastructure like that so that it kind of self, self-maintains itself. It's a physical on-prem solution. Um, it okay. is, it, it's a private cloud, if, if you want to simplify it that way with a lot more automation and everything under the hood of it. Uh, so but as, a, as a service provider, this is something that they could uh, leverage as as their own infrastructure as a service or uh, a DR as a service platform, as well as an on-prem solution for their customers that need it. You know, in today's world, it's it's all uh, the common, the common term is hybrid cloud now. You know, I would say that back in uh, the 2010s was really the era of like, this, everything is going, everything is going to the cloud. Now the reality is not everything is going to the cloud. Some things make sense to live in the cloud. Other things make sense to live on-prem and it's being able to manage those two seamlessly and put what's appropriately to be in the cloud from a, a productivity perspective and an efficiency perspective and then keep everything else on-prem, maybe in a smaller footprint. So being able to manage that as a service provider, this these go on-prem, this can be in the cloud and make it a more profitable solution for them as well. So let's get to the channel program then. It looks like scale is growing uh, pretty rapidly these days. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been a, a very exciting year for us. I'd say a very exciting twelve last twelve months or so, eighteen months. Very rapid growth, sustainable growth though. Uh, nothing that is uh, anything too crazy. But we had a, a good round of funding last October, which has kind of been the the catalyst for all of this. And it's been a very exciting start to this year so far meeting and exceeding any expectations that we have as as well as the the growth side of of headcount and adding adding a lot more to the team you launched the msp partner program about a year ago mm-hmm. so what was uh scales indirect program before that how were you selling through the channel before msps I would say the MSP is kind of an addendum to our existing partner program. So we have our, our scale computing partner community, which has, you know, we've won five stars with CRN on that for, I think, about three years running. And that's been really a focus on a traditional resale model. So it, the basis of it is is a is a percentage of MSR a percentage of MSRP, which is the discount that they get. It's based off of margin. So this would be really targeted to working together to find clients that would have an IT department to support that, manage it themselves. But we found that when with us playing in the the small to medium size to mid market, a lot of the partners that we serve are, are MSPs or what I, I like to say is they're kind of hybrid MSPs. And a, a lot of the time we were servicing. 10% of their customers, 20% of their customers that for them were in the larger space because SMB 
to a, an MSP might be very different than what it is to us as a vendor. At the S of SMB is more of like 100 seats and below, but they might have a couple of customers that are 250 seats, 300 or, or something around that range that still fit into our SMB, our SMB capacity or what we would define as SMB. And what we're finding is that we had a lot of our partners saying like, hey, this is fantastic. The architecture that you built, it fits my smaller customers, but your pricing model really doesn't fit it. And we know that there's a, a really a very different business model around managed service providers being more of a monthly recurring model, right? So a traditional resale program didn't really service them very well because they're going to over leverage themselves. They're going to have to buy all the hardware up front. And if they wanted to buy a hosted cluster, that, that's a lot to take on from especially smaller MSP that uh, might not be able to leverage themselves to that extent. So the MSP program was built to be able to service these partners that were literally asking us for it, coming to us and saying, hey, I, if you can come up with a monthly recurring, I can use this for the rest of my customers. And it won't only be more cost effective for my customers, it'll be more profitable for me because I don't need to have my tier three, tier four technician running out to go fix something. I know that everything's going to work with scale. And if something does go wrong, I can send one of my, my junior admins to go fix that. And it's not as big of a, a hit to my bottom line. So what would have been uh, a partner that's not an MSP? What kind of company that had the resale model? It, it would, it, it's across the board. Like a lot of any, any regional or local VAR that would, they would sell maybe, I would call it not fully outsourced IT. So they might outsource a portion of their IT to a customer. Uh, maybe they're even managing the, the infrastructure for them, but they're, the customer has a larger size IT, a large enough size IT department to be able to support the rest of those operations. So there's, they're, they're basically outsourcing a portion of their specialty to be maybe the, the data center or something like that, where a, a regional or local reseller is, is managing that on a day-to-day and then the customer is procuring it for them on that more of that CapEx model. So um, it's just more of a pass-through from the customer to the partner to distribution to us. And that's a, a you know on a net 30 terms, as opposed to the, the MSP model, which is, they're not using the, it's not under a CapEx model, it's much more under a, an OpEx model where they're paying them on a monthly basis. And the scale solution is, the scale platform is just part of the overall solution that the managed service provider is providing to that customer because they're probably also doing tier one help desk, tier three support uh, and everything in between for the customers. They're, they're, they're essentially their outsourced IT department. Yeah, so it makes a lot of sense as using the MSPs as, as a channel to, really penetrate that SMB market. So that's really what you're especially heavily focused on now is the MSPs and the SMB market and, and really uh, expanding that part of your, your channel program? Yep. Yes. That, that I'd say there's there's kind of three three sides of it. There's MSPs, anybody that's focused on the SMB mid-market, and, and I would define that. It's, it's a very subjective term of what SMB really means. It's really kind of like 1500 seats and below, which to uh, an MSP, that, that's probably more like an enterprise size. So a reseller that would cater towards that size. And then it's also distributed enterprises. Um, if, if you've heard of this new term, edge computing, uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a really fascinating trend that's happening in the industry because it's, it's kind of a business use case that's driving it. It's not just a technology refresh, but we have a, a great plan there as well. And it's kind of interesting because everything that's happening in the enterprise right now with edge computing, it's just benefiting all the SMB and the MSP space because in the hardware world, it's kind of a, a race to the to the bottom right now. It's a race to get smaller and smaller on your footprint. And the the irony to what we created was that our architecture is substantially more efficient than anything else that was already out there. 
So we ironically got pulled into this new space. And as these trends happened, we were already a perfect fit for. So we kind of, we future-proofed our solution with what we had originally designed. Yeah, I understand what you're saying about different definitions of SMBs. And a lot of times, I think in people's minds, SMB, they focus more on the S side of it. But that that mid-market size company, those can be pretty substantial companies, as you were, as you were saying. And they're still doing, they have the exact same problems as across the board is they're trying to do a lot more with less. And, yeah. and sometimes it makes sense to outsource a, piece, a portion of it. Or are they, there's, especially in, in the IT world right now, it's, it's, it's interesting because it's not the same as it was maybe 10 years ago where uh, there's so many new technologies coming out there. And the IT department is, is responsible for having to manage all these different, all these different technologies. And they might not be experts in all those different technologies. So outsourcing a portion of that where they can go put their expertise in an area that's you know revenue revenue generating for the business, that's a great way to get in there from a as a as a reseller or man, an MSP to be able to position it that way is you're not replacing somebody's job, but the job that that's that's managing us on a day-to-day basis, this should be able to just run and you should be able to use your internal resources to do things that are either revenue generating or increasing productivity within their sales force. How many SM, MSPs are in, in the program now and what goal do you have? We have around a thousand right now and probably doubling that in the next 12 months. Um, not to say that all of them are, are necessarily uh, doing it. I think the golden rule of 80-20 probably applies there. But increasing the footprint and the one thing with us is we're not an overly distributed solution. So the value add that we had to these partners is that we're disruptive and, and we're a differentiator when they're positioning themselves against uh, any any competition locally because we're, we're not the exact same solution that every other shop around them is positioning. We're something that's different. We can add value to their service levels that they're offering and we can also add value to the end user and, and, and the uptime that, that they're going to be requesting. So if you're adding a thousand partners in the next year, how are you going about recruiting them? There's there's tons of different ways to, to get the partner side of it. It's uh you know there's tons of shows that we go to. Uh, we done we do a lot of channel marketing through distribution, especially. Um, we have some new OEM partnerships, which you you might have seen with that last round of funding when you're doing some research. So Lenovo is a big investor in us. So there's a whole pool of new potential partners in that space. All of the industry trade shows. I saw that you had uh, Rob Ray on the show. We were at DattoCon last week. So making sure that we're getting our name out in that MSP space, and it's also just a matter of um, changing your marketing to be make it more specific and and targeted towards that audience that probably wouldn't have run across us before because the messaging just wasn't a perfect fit for them. Yeah, well, Datacon would be a perfect place for you. Rob was saying that they're 100% channel company also. I would say most of the companies that I've talked to on the podcast are not 100%. They may be a majority or they may have aspirations to be 80% or, or whatever, but uh, it isn't still that many companies that are 100% channel. If you think about it from what, what we're targeting after, when you say, I actually, I, I listened to the Jay McBain podcast as well. I, I, I love everything that he, all the content that he, that he comes out with. And I always try to, if I'm at any shows, make sure I sit on whatever keynotes he has. And one of the things that I thought was interesting was that there's uh, going to be a decline in the amount of, uh, or, or the percentage of technology sales that go through the channel. And, and I, I think when you look at the space that we're targeting, though, that's probably not the case. And maybe across the, the entire industry, that, that might be the case. But in the MSP world, the MSPs are customer at the end of the day. 
the MSP is the one that's providing all the services to the end client. They are the ones that the that the outsourced I, the, the VCIOs, as many people call it, the virtual CIO. Um, they're the outsourced IT department. So when we're selling our solution, we're selling it to the MSP, who's bundling that in into their overall solution, which is their their solution offering, their service offering to those customers that they serve. The, the, the go-to-market strategy isn't to go target after those end customers. It's to find the partners that we can be, we have a great fit within their solution and we can, we can increase profitability for them and maybe create new revenue streams along the way as well uh, with TR as a service, infrastructure service, desktop as a service, um, those types of offerings, and then find out how we can build out their, uh, their market. So they, they probably have a specific use case they're going after. So it's how can we help build it out with them? And it's, it's more on the focus of uh, who are they going after? What markets do they serve best into? Yeah, I was surprised, too, that Jay was saying that the percentage of tech going through the channel was going to decline. But I, I think he still was saying it was going to be a solid majority. And as you were saying, in, in some particular areas like yours, it really is going to be uh, quite a lot more. So you're onboarding something like 100 new partners a month now. So what have you had to do? What have you had to scale to be able to onboard them and train them and provide tech support? What what have you had to do at scale computing? So that, uh, obviously a lot more automation needs to happen. And, and that was the key thing is having a platform. And that's something that we're launching actually in, I think in two weeks, we're, we're officially launching our new partner portal that we'll have um, just to be able to automate a lot of the different partner experiences. Partners can consume things like the the, con- the training content and everything that they need from a, a pre-sales, post-sales, a true seller's perspective as they want it. Um, me, myself, as a... When, as, as a consumer, it's tough to, to find time during the day to sit on a webinar or something. So uh, having kind of on-demand content in there so that people can onboard themselves throughout the process. And then when they're ready for that, that's when they engage with us. And having everything like the, the, the through-channel marketing and all those different uh, materials available for them in there so that they can access it when they're ready for it, when they're ready to grow with us. It's definitely a key to making sure this is, is successful. Others have talked about the importance of the portal too. So in terms of being able to get quick pricing and being able to do deals and and so forth, uh, is that an important part of your portal? Uh, yeah, and, and also the marketing side of it. There's the onboarding and enablement side of it where they can go and get the training. Also the marketing as well, build, building up that pipeline together and, and what's available to them, whether it's just co-branded content or anything that they want to do within their area, webinars, some things that are a little less invasive or something like a lunch and learn that they want to make available to themselves having all that content available so that we can be kind of an extension of their marketing team. I think it's very important for a lot of these partners so that we can keep this process as simple as possible for all of us, because you know we're onboarding a lot of partners. And, and it, at the end of the day, it's about finding the right partners, it's about finding those strategic partners that we want to grow together with. And it's not always going to be the right time with every partner. So that's why it's, it's important to, to onboard. It's important to, to recruit a lot of partners, but it's, it's just like with customers. Customers aren't already always ready for the solution that you're about to talk to them about. Same thing with a partner. A partner might not be ready for that. Hopefully someday that does happen. But until that time happens, it's, it's good that they know the information and they're getting some of that information to consume it when they're ready to consume it. So are you providing partners with MDF or uh, SPIFs or other type of financial incentives to to encourage them or to help them build marketing programs yeah absolutely we have part of our partner program is we have an mdf uh, an incentive program 
to be honest, to stay competitive, because when you think of who we're really competing against, it's it's the it's the big guys in the industry. It's the uh, it's the big names on the hardware side of things, the virtualization side of things. So for us to stay competitive, we know we have to make it a more profitable solution at the end of the day. If it's incentivizing their sales team, if it's putting some sort of investment into some co-marketing materials or regionalized events that we can do, we know we have to stay competitive from that landscape. So that's all built into our partner program. So uh, in terms of marketing, which is an area that I work in, do you see a marketing skills gap between scale and your partners? And if you do, what's the impact on that? I don't necessarily say there's a skills gap. I, I would say it's a it's a bandwidth gap, especially with a lot of some partners have a, a full marketing team that is ready to do this and they already have the content and they just need X and Y and Z from us. That's easy enough for us to provide. A lot of the other partners, though, they don't necessarily have a, a marketing team that they're utilizing. So we have a fantastic marketing team that we've built out. We have a ton of tools. Our, our marketing stack is fantastic. The purpose of our marketing stack is to serve our partners because that's going to be our, our number one way to growth is our, no, our number one way to grow is to grow with our partners. It costs a lot more to grow as an organization on its own. There's a lot more marketing dollars that need to go into that, which equals a lot higher price point for your products. When we're serving the SMB, we need to be a lot more efficient, which is why it's so important to enable from a marketing perspective, our partners so that they can leverage the resources and tools that we have and, and our team to, to go to market and, and build out that whatever market is that they're trying to target together. So you're doing a lot of marketing for the partners or, or you're doing co-marketing, you're helping them develop materials and they're going to use them and distribute them? We have a lot of those kind of predefined materials, uh, campaign in a box type things. So it's really, it's a conversation with the partner of what works in your territory and everybody has a different territory that they're servicing. Sometimes you're outside of a, a main downtown area and lunch and learns and things do a lot better. They have a lot more of a higher success rate than if you're downtown LA or something where they happen a lot more frequently. So it really depends on what, what services, what works best for the partner and trying out different things to see where we can get that traction in and leveraging the, the campaigns and everything that we have already built. So I wouldn't say it's doing it for them. I'd say we have some things that are, are set up so that we can do it with them. Yeah, I know what you're talking about in terms of depending on the, what market it in, you're going to have different opportunities. I know some companies use what they call a secondary market strategy where they plan to do events in places like uh, Nashville or Omaha, not in Chicago or LA, because they know they can get a lot better ten attendance in cities that don't have a, a ton of things happening every day. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to ask you two questions that I've often asked when I'm hiring someone and kind of relate them to the channel. So what's a channel program that you've done that you think was especially, has been especially successful? Well, definitely our, our MSP program. And that's probably, we've already, we've already spent some time talking about that, but that's been a, a huge success for us is coming out with more of a monthly recurring model on a hardware platform. And if you, if you think of who we're really, we're competing against in the space of, of the virtualization space and the big names in the industry, the, the, the big four, when it comes to the, the hardware platforms, the servers and, and storage providers, they all have channel programs that are really built on uh, the tiered model that service very well to the folks that are, enter that, are, that are entering into that enterprise space. And from us, from our go-to-market strategy, we're not the, the enterprise targeted companies, right? So we had to very much differentiate ourselves from these giants in the industry. Uh, and, and we differentiate ourselves based on our program, coming up with a program that, that services to the partners that are servicing to the customers that we're targeting after. So I, we, I think we give a lot more 
attention to the partners that might not be the you know titanium status or platinum status whatever whatever the highest tier statuses are that that our competitors go against and we give a, a, an extra level of support that isn't hey go find that all yourselves it's we're an extension of of our partners just as much as our partners are an extension of us and everybody that we have regionally in the field is there to support them uh, whether they want that white glove approach or or the automated approach where they can just go in and go onto the online portal and get what they want when they need it so i i think it's it's the level of, I guess, to, to summarize that, it's the level of support that we've built into this, and which really is just part of the brand of scale computing and goes back to the, the core of, I guess, our, the DNA of scale and, and what our founders set out to build. We're an engineering company, and we knew we are going against these big names in the industry, and we couldn't just throw a lot of money at it to create a new brand. Uh, we couldn't just go sponsoring all the Super Bowl ads. We differentiated ourselves with the support, uh, the support to our customers, the support to our product. The end user space, if you go look at us, we're very highly rated and highly reviewed across all the different peer review sites. And that's not because we're the most, we're the best known name in the industry compared to some of the other ones out there. That's because of the foundation, the DNA that we we created scale around. And that seeps into our partner program as well, which is why a lot of partners, once they once they see the product, they're they're very intrigued by the product. But what they loved most and what you see in a lot of the reviews that you see is the team that they had there to support them was one of the best experiences that they've had. And that's a lot of the reason why they choose to go scale. Let me ask you the opposite then, the, uh, the, the other side of the coin of, of that question, which is what's a tactic or something that you tried that wasn't successful? And it could be you know, before scale also in the channel, something that you learned from didn't perform as well as you had hoped or expected Maybe it was the wrong time, wrong place, or maybe it was just, yeah, that's something uh, that just doesn't work and we shouldn't try that again. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, I think the, the one thing that we tried to do at, some, at one point was uh, assume that the channel, A, assume that the channel is just going to take off. And it's it's something that if you just if you if you provide to the channel uh, when it comes to you know uh, leads opportunities that it'll just it'll take off and and that's definitely uh, not the uh, approach that you need to take to the channel it needs to be a well-oiled machines and there there's a lot of different uh, extra stages to the sales process when you're working with the channel and the other big thing that we not necessarily big mistake that we had or it, it was trying to just match whatever the big names in the industry did from a programmatic perspective and trying to just replicate what they were doing because we're not going to be able to match that. We have to provide a different type of experience than what they can provide. Um, it's just like all these retail retail organizations right now. They're, they're competing against the likes of Amazon and the online experience that they provide. And the convenience that Amazon provides is unmatched. You can't do that within our, the retail space. Some of that has to go to a grocery store to buy stuff. So they got to change that experience to make it you know, more cost effective to go to that grocery store, uh, a better experience when they're at the grocery store. So they want to keep returning to it. And that's kind of the, the, the mindset that I think of. And I, I don't know if that's a great analogy and if that resonates well with you, but the, the giants out there have the one way of doing it. And the big players in the industry are going to are gonna follow that. We need to differentiate ourselves, not only with our product, but also with our program. And that was the path that we kind of went down, especially with this MSP program, putting a heavy focus on MSPs. When, whenever we're at any of these shows, like a Datocon, we're the very unique to be at one of those shows. IT Nation and everything that is, that's coming up later, we're a very unique vendor to be at those shows because a lot of the other vendors that are there are 
I, I don't want to, I want to use this word lightly, but they're, they're the middleware side of things. They're the, uh, they're all competing against each other's. They're the software pieces that are uh, part of the solution. But when we're going to a show within this MSP space, we're going to the MSPs and we're, we're saying, Hey, here, here's not just a solution that you add to your, to your line card. It's not just something that you're, you're going to sell to your customers. It's, it's a business model that you're creating around us. It's a new revenue stream that you're creating around us and that we're creating alongside of you. And we're just as invested in their success then because we want them to be successful. The more that they grow, the more that we're going to grow together. So it's, it's a mutually beneficial relationship. Yeah, I think that's a great point. You can't just be a small version of an enterprise channel program. You have to really have your own identity, create your own program. And you know, what I'm hearing from you is have the kind of experience and, and relationships with the partners that uh, really make it special for them. Absolutely. So what should I have asked you that I didn't? What keeps you up at night? What keeps me up at night? I don't know. There's a lot of things that keep me up at night. I, I, I don't know. This is, I, I've, I've gone through everything, hyperconvergence and, and really what we are. Uh, I haven't really gone into the edge computing stuff. And, and I, 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 I probably meant to edge computing is one of those buzz terms in the industry right now that might be a, a new term. So um, it, it could be interesting to, to walk through uh, what this trend is in the industry and, and really how it's, how it's benefiting the MSPs and SMB, the SMB customers, as I mentioned earlier. If you want to give the nickel version of edge computing and again, what kind of use cases or where it might fit into somebody's business? So I, I, if you really think of edge, edge computing, isn't something that's brand new to the industry by any means. Edge computing, I would define as distributed enterprises and, and remote remote branch offices. Uh, but edge computing is being driven by a new trend in the industry, which is which is IoT. And I'm sure everybody's more familiar with IoT, but uh, technology uh, that lives outside of the data center that's gathering a lot uh, of data and it's, it's using a lot more compute resources and these compute resources exist outside of the data center. If you think of a, a, a grocery store, for instance, uh, all the different grocery stores that you walk into, uh, they don't have a massive data center in the back office. Uh, or you, you think of a, a, a gas station, a gas station doesn't have a massive data center or anything sitting in the back office. It might be running just a few, a POS system and, and a couple simple applications on a, a beefy laptop or a single server with no redundancy. Uh, but now with IoT, it's driving this new need for compute resources at these edge sites. Uh, so edge meaning outside of the, the core data center. So these new resources that are being required, obviously they don't want to spend $50,000 on the infrastructure. So us as vendors, we're trying to decrease the size of the footprint to be able to service uh, a solution that would fit into a data center-like environment that doesn't actually have a data center. It could be oil and gas and it's on a rig where it's going to hit 100 degree temperatures or, or sand. Sand could be blasting past it and they have to sustain their day-to-day -day business systems uh, with, with all of these conditions. And if you think of what we're doing is we're coming smaller and smaller on the footprint so we can run a hyper-converged architecture uh, starting out at MSRP to the customer, like $5,500 uh, for a single node with a, a smaller quad-core processor, uh, 32 gigs of RAM, something a little bit more uh, nimble from that perspective. And now this is something where we can talk about a price point that actually fits these remote sites. And M SMBs and, and MSPs, now they're getting a truly MSP, uh, a truly enterprise, excuse me, uh, ready solution that is at a price point that they can actually afford. So if you think of being able to talk, provide hyperconvergence in a, in a customer that was 75 seats, so that, that would have been ludicrous six months ago. 
now we have a solution out there that can fit into this smaller size customer because they are an edge computing use case minus the technology side of it they don't necessarily have the iot requirements that's increasing it but they still have the need for reliability they still have the need for to be on because downtime equals dollars to whatever if that's a uh, if it's a dentist office, if it's a law firm, downtimes equals dollars to them as well. And the partner has SLAs that they need to maintain that if they have a system that is can keep up can uh, with through automation, keep the systems online and, and self-heal from any uh, kind of absorb any failures, uh, then it's going to decrease their it's going to decrease their operational costs, which is going to increase their profitabilities as well. So they're benefiting from this trend that's happening in the industry because the, the footprint of the hardware is getting smaller and smaller. And the technology that is surrounding all of that is just now becoming available for them to be able to leverage, not just to their customers, but within their business model. Yeah, it is amazing how technology, you know, it starts with the enterprises and it starts with the, you know, the big boys. But because of companies like Scale, it, it works down into the mid-market and even to the small companies and allows them to compete in a way that just wasn't possible before, which is you know, just very exciting for those that uh, are ready to take advantage of it. Exactly. Scott, the business world is changing very rapidly. Obviously, even just what you've been describing about edge computing and some of the other things that Scale is doing are new advancements. How do you keep up with the channel? Uh, any particular podcasts, blogs, websites, publications, events, or, or other ways that are especially important for you for keeping up? Yeah, well, I, I have to say I've, I've listened to a, a handful of the podcasts here. You have some great, some iconic speakers in the channel industry uh, that between Rob Ray and, and Jay McBain on there uh, that have been some great listens while I've uh, had a couple flights over the last couple of weeks. Uh, oh, but it's you. also, and and hopefully I'm one of those for somebody for for a future listener. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm sure you will be. <laughs> and then there's there's the usual media sources. Um, I, I, I think I, my homepage is, is CRN.com and you get a lot of great updates on anything cutting edge or any latest news in the industry and what the competitors are doing as well. Everybody launches a new partner program and it's they want to make uh, make sure that everybody in the industry knows about that. So there's a lot of press around that. And it's, it's good to know that the things that they're doing are like, okay, this is already something that we've been progressing and this is something that we're kind of ahead of the eight ball on. So it's, it's good to stay on top of the industry trends that way. I mentioned Jay McBain earlier, Analyst Forrester has some great research that they do. And I, I try to keep up with some of the, the documents that they have coming out because as a, as a vendor, they have fantastic insights and they do a lot of great analysis and, and channel as a whole. And then they, they narrow it down and they make it MSP specific and what, what's happening within the MSP landscape, which helps us adapt our any of our programs or anything anything within our MSP program to any of the changes that we're expecting to come up or, hey, I didn't really think of that. Maybe we should think about including this into our next uh, our next version coming out in the next six months. Uh, at events, there's, I, I mentioned this earlier as well, watching uh, any of the keynotes uh, are, are pretty important. And I think the biggest takeaway of all though uh, is to talk to your partners. We have a, a cadence where we have our product management team, especially the ones focused on the MSP program. We'll get with all of our partners and, and help us understand what's working within our partner program and what isn't working, what we could be improving uh, so that we can make any of those changes to the program. And like I said, our MSP program was because we did that. Our MSP program was because we spoke with our partners and our partners told us, you need this, you need this, you need this. And then all of a sudden we came out with it and then we see this huge uptick in the amount of business that we're doing and the, the relationship that we have with some of these partners that we just we just didn't see before. 
Yeah, that's critical. I mean, in a sense, your partners are your, to some degree, your customers and talking to the customers and talking to the partners is always job one. So how can people contact you? I'm always available. If anybody wants to send me a direct email, I'm, I'm more than happy to take that. My email is sman, man with two N's, at scalecomputing.com. Uh, we also have a soon-to-be-updated website with our, our partner portal will be on it. But if anybody wants information on our partner program, uh, they can go to scalecomputing.com slash partners and, and fill out a partner request or require for any information. Or you just want some general information, you can email our, our general alias channel at scalecomputing.com. And either myself or somebody on the team would be happy to get back to you with whatever whatever they're looking for. Okay. And are you on LinkedIn or Twitter or any of those? I uh, am on LinkedIn and I try to be pretty ritual with the amount of things I post and, and not just make it make, make it relevant to, to new information and new technology out there. So yeah, Scott Mann on LinkedIn, feel free to add me. Okay. And I'll put uh, links to all this in the show notes at revenueassociates.biz. So thank you for joining us today, Scott. Yeah, thank you very much for having us. It's been excellent. I'll be sending you a copy of my Bullseye Marketing book as I do all guests in appreciation. And uh, so if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or another app, and you found the podcast interesting and useful, please leave a review. That will help other people learn about the podcast too. Thank you for listening to the Software Channel Partner Podcast, and please subscribe and listen to future episodes.